0: Good morning, everybody. It's Sunday, February 13th. We just had the final California round of the season in Anaheim, California. It was A3. And it's been a long run, Uh, these California rounds up and down the coast over to Glendale. Uh, I think everybody that's gone through this stretch is ready for a change of scenery and, and to mix it up a little bit. So that's exciting. We'll head east. Hard to beat the weather here, though. It was 94 degrees Yesterday at uh, Angel Stadium, set a record for Anaheim. Uh, actually, tied a record going back to like 1982 or something. I saw in the news this morning. But I wanted to get this podcast out early because it is Super Bowl Sunday, and I will be focusing my attention to football uh, probably for the last time for maybe six months or so. So. Might be a little bit shorter today. Want to touch on what we saw, of course, go over uh, trends and what I think is going to happen. But before we get into any of that, let's thank the sponsors of this. Of course, title sponsor of the industry seating podcast is Pirelli Tires. Thank you to them. Thank you to Josh and the whole team over there for being a part of this from the very beginning. They were the first sponsor of this podcast. So thank you to uh, Pirelli Tires. Guts Racing. Go check out all the great products they have at Guts Racing on Instagram, gutsracing.com. Andy Gregg and the crew over there putting out great products. Plum Creek Funding, Zach Morris. You can reach him at 720-212-4685. And if you're paying attention to what's going on, the uh, the housing industry is about to see a big change. Mortgage, uh, mortgage rates are going up. It's going to get much more difficult to get a loan. The Federal Reserve is going to be tightening, which means that bank requirements to loan money are going to get more difficult. So what does that mean for you? That means you need to reach out to Zach and see what you can do about it ASAP because we're about to enter a higher interest rate environment. That means things will get more difficult. The Fed is going to, uh, for lack of a better term, suck liquidity out of the market and uh, everything as far as lending will get more difficult. So reach out to Zach. Fast Foundry, Robert Carico and the crew over there, they are your one-stop shop for small business, large business, get more efficient, Whatever step of the business equation you may have that you may have questions on, reach out to uh, the crew over there, fastfoundry.com. Works Connection, just ripping hole shots as usual. Team over there with that Pro Launch Start device. And they have a little bit of everything, right? Frame guards and all kinds of uh, accessories for your bike. Um, that You know, they've been around forever. There's, there's a reason that all the factory teams choose Works Connection. Uh, Grandstone Boots, got those... Uh, ostrich boots if you follow me on instagram you saw those those things are amazing may break those out later super bowl party going going on uh, when i get home pro glow i have the question of the week that i will do uh today i already chose it uh promo code moto 15 check those guys out pro glow wash and of course fly racing is my day-to-day job and uh they yeah they kind of make my life possible going through the races and sponsoring things and sending me to europe and all kinds of stuff so Certainly couldn't do it without fly racing as well. So let's jump into this thing. As I mentioned, it's not going to be the longest podcast ever because I'm doing this from my rental car. Real professional here, right? The, uh, the rental car studio, let's call it. What is this thing? A Ford Fusion? Anyway, uh, last night, I mean, it's, it's pretty chaotic, right? The track was really, really challenging. And I think some people out there would argue that it was too tough. I'm not in that camp at all. I want it to be hard. I want it to be really difficult. This is this is the most challenging sport in my opinion in the world. Um it, it doesn't get any harder than Monster Energy Supercross in my opinion and that's certainly biased, right? I don't I've never played in the NFL, right? So I don't know what that's like. You know, a lot of people would argue that hitting a major league baseball, you know, from a like a Cy Young level pitcher is the hardest thing in the world you can do could be true. For me, I will take doing 21 minutes on a track like last night as the most challenging thing in the world because you know what in baseball unless you get hit in the face by the ball you don't have to hit whoops and if things go wrong fly off the track and end up on a on a medic mule going to the hospital right so i I will take supercross every single time and not look back i have no regrets in that the 250 class i'm ready for a new series to be honest you know this this 250 series has been entertaining but I always feel this way right when we're switching over. I'm ready to see new riders. I'm ready for more depth. I'm ready for a a different storyline. And it's perfect timing because we saw what happened last night. Christian Craig dominated. Hunter Lawrence gave it his all, man. I was really impressed by Hunter. And Steve Mathis has given me crap for not giving Hunter enough credit. I was coming around quickly last night because I saw Hunter really going for it. Like He was pushing the envelope taking chances and his whoop speed was impressive and i (laughs) i could screenshot this but i texted the group that you know there's a bunch of group texts everybody has all these group texts but i texted man hunter's really impressive in these whoops because he was he was hanging in there with christian craig which is not something most people can do and then of course a lap later he goes over the bars huge crash out for the night dnf I don't know the status of his injuries, if it's serious or not. But thankfully, he's got some time off anyway. The point being, it's now 30 points, right? He's a whole race down and everything changed as far as the the championship picture. All Christian has to do is just bring this thing home now. Don't crash. Don't hurt yourself. And you will be champion. And with one fell swoop, the entire... The entire series changed last night. You know, Hunter had really started to come around. He gets his first win in Glendale. He's pushing Christian Craig pretty hard. Like, he was keeping him really honest. And I don't know what would have happened late. You know, I don't know if Christian would have made a mistake. I don't know if Hunter would have been able to close the gap. But it was, to me, it was Hunter's most impressive ride of the season until it wasn't. So, uh, I, I feel terrible for Hunter. Um... I, I really liked what I saw from him. He was willing to step up and, and take the fight to Christian. And then, yeah, the worst worst possible scenario goes down there. So that's where we're at on those two. Moseman is still third in points, I believe. Um, I didn't look at it, but I'm pretty sure he is. And then it's the same old story with him, though, man. He's so fast, but mistakes everywhere. He's last at the beginning. Then he catches up, puts in a great ride, passes Freezy, Looks like he's on his way to a runner-up finish after Hunter goes down and then, boom, crashes again. And this is just rinse and repeat for Michael Moseman. It's incredible speed and way too many mistakes. And until he can ever find a way to remove that from his repertoire, you're going to see the same thing. I I thought we were past it. I really did. But I guess that, you know, I was the fool there because we're we're still in the same boat. Uh, I mean, still on the podium. Great. But it's what it coulda, shoulda for him. I think he's fast enough to win in this class, but not with multiple mistakes every single weekend. Vince Friese, you know, listen, I'm trying to be really fair with him. Everybody knows my feelings on him. Everybody knows I don't like the way he races. I'm pretty biased against him, but I have nothing bad to say about that ride last night. Good for him. He got second place. No problem. Like, congrats, man. That's awesome. I know he works hard. I know his team works hard. I know there's a lot of people spending a lot of money to try to get him to find success. That's all great. I don't, I don't have anything negative to say about any of that. So congrats to him. He gets a podium. Awesome job. I'm I'm genuinely happy for him. Like you race like that, you keep it clean, you do it the right way. And I will cheer you on like straight up. I'm not in jest. I'm not you know, kind of speaking out of the side of my mouth here at all. I'm, I'm happy for those guys. I, d- I don't care. I don't want to be, you know, permanently jaded against him because truly I don't care. It doesn't affect my life either way. I'm just trying to analyze what I see coming at me. And that was a great ride. Um, was he fast enough to beat Craig or Hunter? No, of course not. But who cares? That's how it goes sometimes. You don't always have to be the fastest guy. You can put yourself in good positions and allow things to come to you. Right, you don't have to get in the center of drama. You don't have to be the storyline. Sometimes that's just the way it goes, and that's—I think—that was my biggest problem with Glendale. Is like, dude, you are set up for a podium. You had thirty grand staring you in the face, a podium finish. Like those are really big milestones for even outside of the financial end of it, and you did things that kept you out of that. Like that was your own fault. This weekend he didn't. That was. Everything you're supposed to do, get a good start, stay out of trouble, pass when it's there. If you're not fast enough, don't do anything stupid just because you're not fast enough and let the race unfold for you. And that's what he did, man. Second place is no joke. Um, So good for him. He probably made 40 or 50 grand last night, maybe more. Uh, And that's cool. Like he's, you know, this is, that's, I don't want to say life changing money, but that's a big deal, man. He can take that money go invest it and it could end up being life-changing money so I'm happy for him Um, I don't have anything negative to say you know it doesn't change my overall feeling about him whatever but I'm gonna call a spade a spade and and when you put in a great ride and do it the right way I'm gonna I'm gonna you know credit you on my end not that he cares but I'm trying to be as fair as I can about this stuff Um, let's jump into the 450 class that's kind of it for 250 we're gonna go 250 east and I'm very excited about that as I mentioned to me the west is kind of done like championship wise it's it's over unless we see an injury for christian craig 450 class as you guys know i do the uh, the power rankings here and i there's some change right this is the probably the biggest shakeup within the power rankings this week because i think we're starting to develop some series long trends and i have to i have to kind of weigh in on those i can't just continue to see these things and not make fundamental change in my analysis when it's staring me in the face. And I've really tried to not be victim of the moment, but six races in, it's not victim of the moment anymore. Like we're, we're there. Now, the only question is we go East now. And when we go Minneapolis, Dallas, I don't think so much, but like, you know, Minneapolis, Daytona, Detroit, Indy are all up next on the schedule. Does that change? Do we see Everything we've seen, you know, sorry, that's horrible radio, but everything we've seen in the first six rounds, do we see continuation of that? Or does the shift to the East Coast, do we get some sort of change back? And I don't know, right? I'm, and I'm trying to weigh all of that when I do these pound rankings, but for now, I feel pretty confident. There are a few guys but I, I don't know what to do with them, and I'll, I'll touch on that, but I'm really confused about where to put them. But without further ado, number 10, I have Plessinger, and I feel like he's fair at 10. Not great, not horrible. I don't think it's been much to write home about outside of that really great Oakland ride. I don't believe that Roger DeCoster or Ian Harrison or any of the KTM crew are excited about what AP's doing out there. How can they be? I think they felt like he should be a podium guy week in and week out, or at least contending, putting in top five rides battling near the front and he's he's just simply not there right now. So tenth is fair. I, I really feel it's fair. Uh number nine is Marvin muscan and this is one of the guys I don't know what to do with. If you look at his qualifying times, they're really good. He's fast. In that you know in the in the main event he's third and you're like man he might win this. He was closing in on the top uh top two of Anderson and Tomac. Like I was really impressed. But then he can't hold that pace. He's making mistakes. He's screwing up. Similar to San Diego where everything's in front of him to have a great night and he can't close. So ninth might be a little bit harsh. But if you look at who's ahead of him, you look at the results. I don't know. Right? I'm I'm pausing there. Pregnant pause because I don't feel terrible about nine. If you told me, no, 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 he should be six. Okay. But... I could also make an argument for all the guys I have ahead of them that should be ahead of them. So uh I'm I'm kind of in a show me state with Marvin. Like if you want to move up in the power rankings, then prove it. Because right now I could make a case for why you should be behind several of these guys ahead of him. Number eight, Roxon, and what a move backwards. Uh there's a couple of these guys where I'm ready to hit the panic button. Ken Roxon would be at the top of that list. Not a good night, not a good stretch here for Roxon. And for those of you who don't get to watch practice or maybe you don't watch Race Day Live during the afternoon and you're only tuning in at night, trust me when I tell you that it was a horrible day for Ken Roxon. He had a crash in the first, uh, one of the first sessions of of practice. I don't remember if it was the first one or the first time session in the whoops again. And something is going on with him mentally and physically in the whoops. It is bad, folks. Like this is not Ken Roxon that we're used to. There is some sort of mental block going on with him. And I know that he's not comfortable with the bike. That's a fact. He's, he doesn't have confidence in his bike in the whoops. But it's, this is not anything we've ever seen with him before. We talked about this on the Fly Racing Radio Show. Uh, you know, Saturday, we do it every weekend in the pits uh, before the, the racing gets going. And I cannot remember a time where I've ever seen Kenny... Scared, and and I use that word very cautiously because I don't think he's like shaking in his boots, scared. But he looks very intimidated by the whoops, especially when they get really cupped out. I don't think he has any trust in what the motorcycle is going to do, and that's not a comfortable thing, and that's not something that's very characteristic or characteristic at all for Ken Rockson. So I moved him to eight. I think it's warranted. He does not look good. I mean, he qualified eighteenth in the final qualifying session. That's not. That's not a good sign. Okay, he could, he couldn't even put it. He was going around the whoops. He was going around them in practice. Like that's that is not Ken Roxon. We're talking about one of the best Supercross riders ever. Okay, maybe not top five ever, but ter- maybe top ten ever. Like he's that good. When he's on, good luck beating that guy. You know, like what he won the first round by ten seconds. Okay, so the difference between the A one Kenny and this Kenny. White years apart, and to me, it's all between his ears. It's all mental right now, and I don't know how to fix it. Uh, but I can tell you, if he doesn't, I would not be shocked to see him retire. And I, I'm, I'm very cautious with that statement. I don't know anything. I don't have any inside info. I don't have any insight to give you. But I'm telling you, this is a contract year for him, and if things don't improve and he is not having a good time and he looks like he's scared of the whoops like he did yesterday, it would not shock me for him to step away. Now, I think that's a long shot. I don't think that's likely. I think he pulls out of it and gets it together. We're gonna go to the East Coast where the tracks are different. He's gonna be able to jump through the whoops a little bit more at times. These whoops won't be as difficult. They're not gonna be as cupped out and sketchy and rock hard and and slippery and all all the things he's dealing with right now will get better. So I think that helps him. But I'm telling you right now, the signs I saw at A3 all pointed towards maybe I don't want to do this anymore. And I hate saying that because I think the series is simply better with Ken Roxon in it. I think he adds a lot of character, a lot of marketing power. He's Ken Roxon, right? He's a worldwide Supercross superstar. Period. End of story. And this sport, without him in it, would be worse. So uh, let's hope that um, we can keep him, you know, uh, good here. So I think, uh, sorry, I was having a little uh, a bit of a car issue here. Um, just watch, watch for him in the next few weeks. He really needs to turn this around. And if he doesn't, I will be very nervous about what that looks like moving forward. Uh, I don't think That's a good sign for Honda. Like, what do they do? Do they go sign someone else in the interim if he steps away? Like, that's all stuff that we shouldn't even be talking about because I just, man, I don't, I've never seen Kenny look like he did at A3. Like, he looked really scared of the whoops. That I've, I know that feeling. I was scared of the whoops damn near every weekend. I've never seen Kenny look like he was scared. He was always the guy that was like, how is he doing that? Like, these whoops are brutal and he's just crushing them, that wasn't him, so just something there, I have him at eight, I've never had him that far down in my life, and it's for good reason. Number seven, Justin Barsha. Barsha rode really well, like that's a third, and and from the get-go at A3, he looked spicy, he looked like he wanted to be out there, he wanted to be at the front, he was grabbing hole shots at the beginning of qualifying practice, he was at the front, even as stupid as it sounds, in the parade lap, of the night show, like the main event parade lap, he was at the front. Like he was winning the parade lap. He just looked like he had confidence oozing out of him. And he was like, I belong at the front. I need to be at the front. If anybody else wants to beat me, so be it. Like you're going to have to go through me though. And we haven't seen that a lot from him lately. And it, it, that was a nice return. Like he just looked like he was back. So uh, good for him. I think, you know, he brings a lot to the series, sometimes to the negative, right? I, I think when he gets. Really aggressive and knocking people down. I don't love that, as we know. But the more protagonists at the front of this series, the better it is for everybody. So nice ride for Barsha. Seven might be a little bit harsh. I could have moved him up, but, and I will. If he has another ride like that at Minneapolis, I see the same things. I promise you, I'll have him back, you know, three, four, five, eh, maybe not three, but four, five, six for sure. Number five, Dylan Ferrandes. I mean, it's the same old story with Ferrandez. His starts suck. He gets he crashes on the start of the heat race. It puts him out of that race. He's really sore. He wins the LCQ. It puts him in a bad gate pick for the main event. He gets a bad start again, and he has to fight through the pack. This is the same story every single week, every time and time again. And until he finds a way to fix that, you know, like Eli Tomac seems to be better. He got a second place start. Until Ferrandez can find a way to start better, consistently, nothing's changing. He's not going to be better than three, four, five. That's about as good as you're going to get because when you have guys at the front like Tomac and Anderson that are ripping starts and going really fast, you're not going to catch them, right? And that's even saying with guys like Webb and Roxanne and these guys all struggling. Sexton didn't have a good night either. With those guys having bad nights, you're still just giving it everything you've got to get back to fifth. The, the field is just too deep to have a glaring hole in your game, and that's what's going on. Like, he has a glaring hole in his game. Make no mistake. The starts are killing him. They always have. They have outdoors on a 250, outdoors on a 450, supercross on a 250. The only way he was able to overcome that is he's just so much better than everybody, right? He, but he's not so much better than everybody in this class. He's as good. He might be even a little better, but he's not the dominant force where he can come from anywhere. That's just not possible in this 450 class right now. So I don't have the answer. Like I'm not pretending I do, but I can certainly diagnose what the, the missing ingredient is. And it's the starts. They're, they're killing any chance he has. Number four, Chase Sexton, not a great night, not a good start. So he's, he is not in the same boat as Ferrandez, <clears throat> excuse me, week in and week out. But if he doesn't get a good start, He's exactly in the same boat, you know, on a week, week, week-to-week basis. I think Sexton is a good starter, and over time, those starts will propel him to the front. But last night in Anaheim, we saw what happens if he doesn't get a good start. He gets mired in the pack. He slowly works his way forward, but there's only so far he can get to. He's not going to go chase down Anderson, Barsha, Tomac, those guys. They're too good. They They are... As good, maybe, maybe if Sexton's having a great night, like the final race at Glendale, he can beat them, but he's not gonna chase him down from 10 seconds back and come through 10 riders to get there. That's just not happening. Same exact thing as Ferrandis. Number three, I have Webb, and I know people are gonna be like, Why do you have Web 3? There's no way. Listen, I'm trying to look big picture here. And he's your defending champion. I did move him out of two. I moved him to three. So baby steps here. I want to see what happens at Minneapolis and as we go east. If he continues to get eighth, trust me, I'm going to move him down quickly. But I want to see when the whoops get easier, the tracks get ruddier, there's more traction. Do we see the same Cooper Webb? Is it, is it still a fifth through eighth guy? Because that's what he is right now. Is he still that guy, or does, he, does his skill set shine through? Is he able to jump through the whoops? Do, do his starts improve? Is he able to utilize a, a more tricky track with the ruts and, and all those things, a deteriorating track, or is it continuation? I don't know. So I'm trying to remember last year how great he was down the stretch because he wasn't good in the beginning of the season. He, he wasn't awesome, right? He just got better and better and better, and then he kind of took over after halfway, is it, do we see that same trend or not? Right now, I don't think we do. So I'm leaning more towards he's going to be battling for podiums but not wins soon. I think he'll get a little better. Um, but I, I'm re- he's teetering right now for me, and, and I'm making this like this power ranking thing is a big deal. But for championship-wise and his series-wise, it is a big deal. He's teetering on... This really getting away from them and it turning into him ending up fifth in the points at the end of the year, which would be, okay, hyperbole here, but catastrophic. If you're KTM, for Cooper Webb to get fifth in the series would be catastrophic. That is not good. That's not what they're there for. I think they would agree with that statement. They take winning so seriously. They, are, they do not mess around. They are there to win, and anything else but winning is a failure, let alone fifth let alone eighth in a main event. I can almost promise you that there are high-level meetings going on last night and today. Like, what do we have to do to figure this out? And it's probably already been going on. I think they are turning over every rock right now to figure this out. Because, again, that's not what they're here for, man. I know how serious they are about winning on every level. Their defending champion getting eighth. A few times now and not really having any way to do anything about it is cause for much more than concern. Concern doesn't even start to cover it. So just watch for that. Let's see what Minneapolis brings, but it's, it's not good, folks. Number two, Jason Anderson, and what a ride last night. I mean, he and Tomac were, in the whoops, they were pushing the limit. They both had several moments where it could could have unraveled. They could have crashed. And then you see the rest of the track. They were just pinning it. So kudos to both of them. Uh, I have Anderson at two just because he's had, you know, some rough nights. He's not your points leader. But that was about the best I've seen him ride last night. You know, you could you could clean up some of the mistakes, but the track was just really hard to not make mistakes on. To have a flawless 21 minutes on that track with those whoops last night, probably too much to ask. I just don't think you could really do it uh, on a 450, not the pace that those guys were pushing. But to his credit, he salvaged it, he saved it in the whoops several times, and he also fought off Eli Tomac, which is no easy feat right now. Tomac is firing on all cylinders, and we have not seen many people over time when, when Tomac is on be able to beat him. They, you know that's, it's just one of those things where almost everyone relents to the fact that when Tomac's on, we're racing for second. Not last night. Anderson. Took it to him beat him at his own game and uh, it had to feel good it had to be really great for his confidence moving forward that he can beat him straight up right if tomac starts second i can beat you so i thought it was great for the championship i thought it was great for anderson long term uh kudos to monster energy kawasaki i mean that's awesome right they, that had to feel good for them to beat tomac after he leaves you know he's been pretty vocal about it. he felt like it was an improvement. Well, guess what? Monster Energy Kawasaki won last night with their new guy. So, I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't care either way. But you want headlines and you want drama and all those things, Jason Anderson's giving it to us. So, good job for him. Takes another step forward to get back into uh, the championship fight. I mean, he's right there, but you got to beat Tomac. If you want to win this championship, you've got to beat Tomac. Like, heads up, straight up, you just got to beat him because I don't think Tomac gives many opportunities for big points. Gains, right? You're just going to have to go out and beat him. I don't think you're going to see a 15th from Tomac. I just don't. Uh, He's too smart. He's too seasoned. And everything's just too on point for him right now. So, again, Tomac, or excuse me, Anderson, if he wants to be champ, you're just going to have to take it to him. Number one, no surprise, Eli Tomac. He is your points leader. He has the red plate, which is the same thing. Great ride. He just didn't have enough. And I think. If it came down to a championship, you know, it's the last race of the season, I think maybe he could have beat him. I I think he would have had to take a lot of risk, and I think that's why he didn't. But if everything was on the line last night, I think there was more to give. Like, he had a little bit left in the tank. He could have sent it a little bit more in the whoops. He could have taken more chances to close the gap down. Uh, You know, a couple times when he got squirrely in the whoops, he would have just... He would have just you know, rolled the throttle on and, and hoped for the best. That is not where we are in this series, though. We're only round six. You know, we're done with round six. There's so much time left. He is already the points leader. He does not have to force the issue. And if I'm being honest, if he is looking at Jason Anderson, he's probably like, okay, yeah, really good night, but look at all the mistakes he's made. Look how many times he's jumped off the track. He crashes at Glendale jumping off the track. Those things are going to catch up to him over time. That's what I would be saying to myself if I'm Eli Tomac. If I'm John Tomac, that's what I'm whispering into Eli's ears. Like, hey, just keep an even keel, stay on the podium. When the wins are there, take them, and let these other guys make the mistakes because they're already doing that. That's why you have the points lead. Anderson has not been able to keep it clean week in and week out. He has been his own worst enemy thus far, and that will continue. Now, if it does or not, I don't know, but if I'm the tomac camp that's the that's the message here is everything's going well everything's going right just keep on keeping on and let these guys sort themselves out because they are going to do the work for us we just do what we do they're not as clean and i use you know uh, air quotes around clean as far as like the form the lack of mistakes every aspect of the game being on point their program's just not as clean right now there's there's Holes here and there, crashes, jumping off the track, maybe a bad start here or there, getting into, you know, like the stuff at A1 where Anderson's getting into takeout fest with Barsha. That stuff will bite you over the course of a series, and that's why Anderson's not in the points lead. You know, he got a 10th at the first round. That stuff will hurt you badly when you are fighting against a on-point Eli Tomac, right? When Eli's got everything going for him, you can't afford to get a 10th. It will... It will be the determining factor of why you don't beat him in the series. So I love everything, how it's going for Tomac, right? I think he rode incredibly smart at A3. He didn't have to win. I think he understands that. He's letting things come to him, right? If the win's there, take it by all means. And I think there will be rounds where he does. We have Daytona coming up. We have, you know, these tracks that are ruddy and soft. We know how great Eli is in those conditions. So I think if you are Eli and you're sitting there on a Sunday morning and I don't know if he's flying back or whatever, but of course he's reflecting thinking about the championship because this, all this stuff does like these racers have tunnel vision right now. This is all they think about. If you're him and you're thinking about how do I get this done? What's good? What's bad? You got to be loving this. Like everything is in front of you. Everything is going your way, momentum, your speed, pace, the bike, who you've got to deal with, right? I'm sure he'd much rather have to deal with Jason Anderson being on point than he would Cooper Webb. I know I would. I I feel like the propensity for Anderson to make a critical mistake is much higher than it is Cooper Webb. If Webb was firing on every cylinder and just looked great, his starts are he's killing it. He looks so awesome the way he did like in 2021 and 2019, I would be way more nervous about that than I would be Jason Anderson. And that could, be, that could prove to be wrong. I could absolutely end up being wrong in that assessment, but that's how I see it. If you get to choose who your, your championship rival is going to be, you don't want to pick Cooper Webb. You don't. Because you know he's a closer. You know how good his racecraft is. And you know he, he thrives on that pressure down the stretch. So that's just kind of how I see it. I, I would just love how this is lining up for Tomac. So that's it for this week. Thanks again to all the sponsors. Uh, I kept it a little bit short this week. It's again Super Bowl Sunday. I have a lot going on. I got to fly here in a little bit. Went straight to watch the Super Bowl, and um, yeah, no excuses. I, I shouldn't, I guess, prioritize the Super Bowl over this thing. But yeah, these things happen. I wanted to get it done, so hopefully, it gets uh, we can get it produced and out to you this morning, so you can listen to it before you get into any uh, Super Bowl party activities. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next week.